All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Mafia Mama, a very ridiculous but very fun comedy starring Tony Collette as a woman who inherits the mafia, basically. And uh, it's out now in theaters. And I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I had a great time talking about it with returning co-host Joe Black. We get into a bunch of great puzzle pieces here, so that is coming up in a second. Before we get to it, though, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Go hit the subscribe button or follow button or whatever your app has. Maybe it's a little plus sign. I don't know. Whatever it is, make sure you're subscribed. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and other than that you know just keep on listening we appreciate it so with that said let's get to our conversation about mafia mama joe black is back with us we're gonna talk about mafia mama joe how you doing oh it's so much better now that i've seen mafia mama Yes. Um, I, I have been anticipating this movie for a minute now. I forget what I saw. It was a horror film, Knock, Knock at the Cabin. I oh, saw sure. that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, was, I came in a little bit late during the trailers, and I caught the last half of this. And in the last half of it, my wife was already in the theater. I was like, oh, my God, that looks really good. And she goes, well, enjoy. Yeah. Like the <laughs> implication that she would not be there. And if you remember, uh, I also saw Knock at the Cabin that same weekend. And, and when I got home from it, I messaged you. I just saw a trailer for a movie called Mafia Mama. And the first thing I thought was, this looks like a Joe Black movie. And <laughs> I, I guess I'm right. Yeah. I, through and through, you know, I, um, and it's so funny. I, like, of course, would never use this as a piece, but I made a movie uh, in 2013, uh, 10 year Holy shit. Uh, ten years ago, <laughs> it was my first movie that I made in L.A. called The Setup. That was um, this movie is mm-hmm. very similar, not in like it, just in like the tone and like the stuff that 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 happens in that movie. Um, mine's about two people who yeah. go on a blind date, and it turns out the uh, the girl's ex boyfriend was a Russian spy, and they get kidnapped oh, by nice. terrorists and escape, and are on the run. You know, so it's yeah, it's it's very similar, like a fish out of water kind of, uh, and and right up my alley. And nice. this movie was like so much better than I thought it would be. <laughs> like, I I thought yeah. I was just gonna love it, you know, just on premise. But like, the actual movie was like so much better put together than I could have ever expected. So. And I'm totally with you. And uh, we'll get into puzzle pieces in a second here. But we're recording this before the uh, embargo has lifted. And I have a feeling this movie is gonna get trashed to hell tomorrow when the reviews start coming really? out. Yeah, I really do. But uh. I'm with you, though. I loved it. I was laughing the whole time. I, I thought from the get-go, I was like, Tony Collette looks like she's just having a ball doing this, and it's. I think it delivered on exactly the premise. It's one of those like very simple premise type of movies. I think that'll maybe reflect in some of our puzzle pieces here, but it's just mm-hmm. a very simple setup, and I think it delivers jokes in that setup. Yeah, and, and, and it does it with integrity, too. Like, I had... No, like. I, I had no idea that Catherine Hardwick made this movie. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, who directed this? You didn't need to direct this movie this well. Like, right. kind of like, uh, like Adam Driver's performance in 65. It's like, you don't need to be this good in this movie. You, you, you know what I mean? Mm. But like, the, the directing was solid. The writing was solid. Tony Collette's performance was super solid. Then I see it's Catherine Hardwick at the end. And I'm like, oh, well, there you go. You know, 
they got a real filmmaker to make this movie. You know, you know, sure. that, and that that makes all the difference. Absolutely. Well, let's get into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first one? Okay. Well, you you talked about like the basic general, and and I'm going to do a basic general first puzzle piece, which is a. Uh, the movies of, uh, uh, was it Nia Vardalos? Like the My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the Connie and Carla. Sure. The, um, my, my Life yeah. in Ruins. It's, it's, it's all three of those movies really combined, you know, where it's nothing but like the stereotypes of the family and their expectation of you. So, you know, yeah. but that's My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And then you got Connie and Carla, which has Tony Collette in it, yeah. which, you know, is the crime affiliated. They're hiding out, you know, like from the crime people or whatever. And then you've got... Uh, my city in ruins where she actually goes to Italy in her little like midlife crisis yeah. or whatever. Um, but kind of like, I remember I read a review years ago for we bought a zoo where they were like, this is nothing but a Tim Allen movie made with integrity, you know? And, and, <laughs> sure. and, and that's how I felt about this. This is like a Nia Vardalos movie made with integrity. Like yeah. Tony Collette is a really great actress. Catherine Hardwick is a really great uh, filmmaker, you know? And and there's nothing wrong with simple, and there's nothing wrong with general or even generic, as long as you do it with integrity. And I think that this movie really did that. I mean, this is a movie that like my grandmother and my mother will love just as much as I did. You know? Right. Absolutely. That that was something I was thinking too. Like I just got done talking about how I think that you know critics are going to kind of tear this one apart. But I do think though, in the same way that like a big big fat Greek wedding or whatever, like it, it's going to connect with everybody's mom and everybody's grandma and like and like adults and people who just want a, a good fun time at the movies i mean look at an another movie this weekend uh super mario brothers just came out and of course was trashed by critics but everybody is loving it for better or worse you know it's like just a movie that kind of connects with its intended audience yeah uh, well i'll never see that one personally yeah. i uh you know, hashtag Morton and Jankel for life, you know, yeah, like, sure. <laughs> uh, my, my, my love and support for the 1993 Mario brothers. Uh, it, yeah, I can't much like I, how I would not see Bumblebee when it came out because no bay, no way. Like I, I I'm standing strong against super <laughs> Mario that, brothers as well. Was that a hashtag? No, no bay, no way. I made it. I, I made it. I've made two Michael Bay hashtags in my, in my lifetime. One was hashtag no bay, no way, which I did uh -huh. for that in bad boys three. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, my other one is hashtag Michael Bay, B-A-E. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Which I use pretty frequently. <laughs> I um, I will be seeing the Beast Wars movie, though. Like, um, yes. sorry, Bay. Yeah. But you can't stop me. <laughs> What's your first piece? <laughs> well, I'll go to my first puzzle piece. Uh, and this is a movie I haven't seen in like a million years, but I think it's like a pretty like good, clear comparison that could be made here. And that's The Freshman. Uh, Marlon Brando, Matthew Broderick. And uh, obviously, I think that going into this movie, there's a lot of classic mafia comedies that you could kind of go with. And uh, I, I wanted to revisit this before this just to kind of, I don't know, just see how it holds up. Have you seen that movie in a long time? I have not seen it in a long time, but I have seen it. I went through a Matthew Broderick phase after Godzilla came out. Um, uh -huh, sure. And that's when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I, I remember liking it back, back in like high school when it, it came out in 1990. And I, mm -hmm. I remember like finding the whole premise funny, but I kind of remember liking like all of those kinds of mafia type comedies and maybe there'll be more in our puzzle pieces coming up, but especially having Marlon Brando in there as, as you know, that character and basically making fun of himself. I, I think that this movie, you know, is 
clearly going for it, like just right into joking about The Godfather and joking about every single little mafia movie trope and uh, not not scared to like be too on the nose or anything like that. It's just going all in on the premise and on the joke. And I feel like it's doing it in a way that The Freshman did as well. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's funny. It's it's so funny. I, I have two gripes with uh, Mafia Mama um, that keep me from giving it a perfect uh, score. One of them is that it should have been called Mama Mafia. Like, that really bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with really, you. That would have been a better really, I can't believe that they didn't do it. Like I like who like I feel like what happened was like somebody printed the poster and fucked it up and like they they just didn't care enough to like fix it afterwards. Like, well, we made one, yeah, you know, um, but uh, that and then I did not the Godfather references actually didn't land for me. Mm. Like like it, only because like that seemed like such a movie thing. You know what I mean? Like like it was the one thing that felt like, oh, this is like uh, uh, like film people wrote this. Um, I'm very sensitive. I, I to guess that kind so. Of thing. To, to me, to me, that is part of the the uh, the appeal of the movie, though, is that it is a very movie movie, and I think that sure. it is like it knows exactly what it's parodying and what it's like, what what it's playing with, and so like it's just a very knowing wink. I think I, I thought that worked. That, that's fair. I'm just kind of in like a like I, I'm in like a what do they call the old man yelling at clouds when it comes sure. to like. Uh, when it comes to this postmodern thing that like everybody thinks that they can do anymore, yeah. Um, so like I, I maybe I'm just a little too easily triggered by that kind of thing. Sure. Um, them referencing The Godfather though, I don't know that I want to count this as one of my pieces. But did you ever see that movie, The TV Set, with David Duchovny? Um, you know, I did see that. It was also in Connie and Carla. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's there's like the running gag where his assistant hadn't seen Taxi Driver, and he kind of like used that to negate her like opinion the whole movie. <laughs> Um, okay yeah i i forgot about that movie yeah i wonder if there's a reason yeah it's okay the the first 10 minutes you get the whole point of the movie and they and it and it really sets it up brilliantly and then the rest of the movie you don't even need to watch it but the first 10 minutes is like it's it's the best but that's not one of my puzzle pieces no we're talking about mafia mama um yeah so what is your next uh, puzzle piece under the tuscan sun which they also reference in the movie sure I I was very surprised that the um that Mafia Mama actually like went the route of Under the Tuscan Sun in the end. I don't know why I didn't see that coming. That she would like choose not to be with the man and choose you know what I mean? Like like I don't know why I didn't expect that. And it and it actually kind of surprised me that that they not only reference it, but it actually is just under the Tuscan Sun, but somebody gets their scrotum ripped out with a high heel shoe. Um yeah. and and like under the Tuscan Sun, which would have could have just been another throwaway, forgettable, you know, stupid studio rom com like Leap Year or something, you get a great director and you get a great actress, Diane Lane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you make a classic. I'm so excited now to see. Actually, if you're right, if if critics don't like this movie, very interesting. <laughs> But yeah, under the Tuscan yeah. sun, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction. But uh, but yeah, no, I, absolutely. Again, it like just as much as the mafia stuff. It's it's that too. So like it's it's referencing it, it's playing with it, and it's doing basically that, but uh, in a, in a much more ridiculous kind of way. So uh, yeah, definitely. And and I get it. Eat eat pray fuck is funnier than making fun of under the Tuscan sun. But it definitely is mm. not like an eat, pray, love thing. Like it's it's under the Tuscan sun. This movie, sure, yeah, absolutely. 
I'll go to my next piece, which really is kind of just every recent Adam Sandler movie. Um, all the mm. Netflix ones, um, you know, everybody likes to joke about how it's just him, you know, making an excuse to get his friends and go on vacations and shoot them under the guise of making a comedy movie. And, uh, this was shot on location in Italy and it is Catherine Hardwick and Tony Collette and this cast is going out there and just having a fun time in a beautiful location. And I, I think that part of what makes this movie work is the location. You know, it's just, it feels, uh, like a real movie like we've been talking about and it feels like they're using the location they're using italy to the uh, fullest yeah I, I i don't disagree with that i really hate when people say that about adam sandler's comedies though because like first of all mm-hmm. the idea that like adam sandler wouldn't just go on vacation with his friends if he wanted to is insane uh, also that like his vacation wouldn't be paid for by the studio if he just wanted to do that is insane and also mm-hmm. anybody who says that, oh, they just did that so you can go hang out with his friends on vacation, obviously you've never made a movie because it's no matter what the movie, even if it's something simple in your mind, it's really hard to make a movie. Sure. And in doing so, he's also implying hundreds up to thousands of people. Um, and he also is notoriously like a work, uh, like has a really strong work ethic, much to the chagrin of his friends. Like they talk about it in interviews. So I'm going to defend Adam Sandler. <laughs> Um, please do, but, uh, yeah. but I, and, and I loved murder mystery too. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and y- here's the thing. Movies used to do that. Movies used to, people actually used to go to exotic locations to shoot movies because yeah. we, the audience couldn't go to these places. And this is how we got to go to these places. It wasn't all green screen and done on the back. Like they actually went to these cool exotic locations. So I actually appreciate that. Even that's, uh, the Fletch movie from last year they they went to italy to film part of it and greg Matala did his very best to make italy look ugly but um but he failed because italy is so beautiful so like why not actually go there and take it in like they did with this movie sure um yeah i'll say it's like an adam sandler comedy in that like the leg uh monica bellucci having that cool metal leg that's just like deuce bigelow um his his wife had the had the one (laughs) leg you remember and then she dies at the yeah. beginning of two and he walks around and like the one guy makes like a fucking uh, weed pipe out of it and stuff. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I also thought of Deuce yeah. Bigelow, actually. I, I was thinking about mm. including that one on my list. I didn't, but uh, well, yeah, definitely. European gigolo. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I would also say before we move on to your next piece, like, you know, uh, that's a, another thing with this movie is it's kind of like, uh, you know, we, we get you know, a movie every year or every other year with somebody like Adam Sandler or Adam Sandler himself doing these kinds of just broad, silly comedies. And, you know, why not a Tony Collette version of that kind of a thing? And she does a great job in the role. We got a really good look at what she could do comedically, like around like, like with Connie and Carlo, that just wasn't a very good movie. But then even in Little Miss Sunshine, you know, and she got her start doing these kind of comedies with Muriel's Wedding and things like that. And and I know that everybody was like really like on one a few years ago when she didn't get nominated for Hereditary, but I just think that actually speaks more to like the movie than her. But like, I I I don't like this this stigma that movies like this have, where like it's like mm-hmm. yeah we'll just throw in some kind of flavor of the month actress or something, you know? No, like every movie deserves to have this caliber of actor. Yeah. You, you know, it, it really does. And that's why people stopped going to theaters. It wasn't because they got bored of movies like this. It's because they got bored of all the corner cutting. You, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They got bored of green screens. They got bored of Jennifer Aniston and Gerard Butler. It, yeah. you, you know what I mean? You give them quality stuff and they'll show back up. And I mean, and that's 
proven. You know, look at Air, which just came out. It's doing pretty well for that kind of a movie. You know what I mean? And it's because it's really well written, really well directed, and a really great cast and a really simple story. Sure. Um, so um, I don't know where that started. Sorry. <laughs> Adam, Adam Sandler. He's what, what do you got for your next piece? Yes. I have, uh, speaking of generic movies that nobody likes, uh, Killers with uh, Ashton Kutcher and Katherine Heigl. Sure. I, I don't think I ever actually saw that. But yeah, definitely people don't like it. So, Well, they're... You know, I'm not one of those people. I love that movie. I uh, uh-huh. I did not want to see it. Um, it did not look watchable, let alone decent, uh, even. And um, I actually won tickets to it, but it was a, like a it, it was I won tickets to a, a free meal at a restaurant that I had been wanting to try, and tickets to it. It was like a package deal. Nice. So like, uh, yeah. So I, I I went to the restaurant and it was fine. And then I went to that movie and I was blown away. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's written by a really good writer, a guy named Ted Griffin, who wrote, um, Ravenous and Ocean's Eleven and Matchstick Men. And he produced like Up in the Air. So he's a really good mm-hmm. writer. And Katherine Heigl is an actress who really, really got, uh, screwed over by the industry. Um, she's one of those people that like really fought for integrity. Um, and people just, uh, pigeon held her and called her a bitch, um, because she's a woman and was fighting for the integrity of what she was doing, even when it was something as silly as Grey's Anatomy. She cared. So, of yeah. course, she had to be taken down. And Ashton Kutcher, he's almost like Keanu Reeves, where he's a brilliant actor, but he's just so incredibly like gorgeous that it's like it's hard to take him seriously. Much like Keanu Reeves is a brilliant yeah. actor, but like his voice, it's hard to you know see him as anything other than Johnny Utah. Um, sure. It, so it, it's just a bunch of, and the guy who directed it directed legally blonde. Um, it, it was just a, a bunch of people who don't get their due and they came together and they made a really fun, simple, cool movie. And it reminds me of, uh, mafia mama because the whole thing is Catherine Heigl is married to Ashton Kutcher for years and their marriage isn't going well. And then suddenly she gets thrown into this, uh, scenario where it turns out her husband is a spy, a hitman, like an, an assassin, you know, and, and they get thrown into this big espionage kind of thing. So it's it's fun seeing this, like, you know, quote-unquote suburban housewife, unfulfilled suburban housewife, kind of coming into her own yeah. um, through a very violent, unintentionally violent kind of adventure. Which is one of the things that I really loved about Mafia Mama was that it was it's a pretty violent movie. <laughs> it's surprisingly violent. Like, when it wants to be, it just, like, ratchets it up, like, really quickly into just gore like straight up gore for like a few minutes at a time yeah well that scene the 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 best gore scene in the movie where she she hits the guy in the in the dick repeatedly with her high heel and then in his eyeball until it pops out and then of course the follow-up line in the next scene where he's like they found pieces of scrotum in his eye hole like it's really funny but (laughs) that scene is so violent but here's but here's the example i mean of like just really good writing like, they set you up earlier in the movie that she has the capability to go there. Because when we first, like, she debates on going on the trip, she's in a self-defense training class thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that's perfect. That's all you need to set that up. But then that scene, as I'm watching it, I'm like, damn, this is really violent, even considering what we've seen so far. But that scene is the scene where she transforms into the dawn sure. into the you know what i mean like that it's at the end of that scene where she finally tells her boss fuck you and and becomes the head of the mafia the the scene is violent almost in like a baptism way or like a line crossing that she can never go back from 
So it doesn't sure. exist as just some like mindless, stupid gore thing out of nowhere. It, it's actually a, a transformative scene that has been set up from act one. That's called writing. Marvel, take notes. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's really good writing. And it's simple. It's not anything like game changing or like, you know, it's just, it's good writing. Um, yeah. Just like Killers. Shout out to Ted Griffin, unsung <laughs> hero of the industry. There you go. I think you'd like Killers. I, I wonder if I ever actually saw it. I really don't remember seeing it, but. Uh, I think you'd dig it. Yeah. I, I might. Yeah. I like Ashton Kutcher. It's on I, Netflix. I like, you know, I like Knocked Up. You know? It's got Usher in it. Well, there you go. That's something. Uh, I will go for my next piece to uh, Ghost Dog from Jim Jarmusch, uh, which has some of the most cartoonishly ridiculous mafia mob bosses that you've ever seen in a movie. Uh, even though it's not even like the funniest movie in, in the world. Like, I love that movie, but like, it's not even like a straight up comedy or anything. But the mob bosses are just so ridiculous and so inept. And that's another thing with this movie. Like, even though. Uh, Tony Collette is like, you know, totally unprepared for any of this. Nobody even stands a chance against her because they're just so inept in everything that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And they're so ridiculous. And that's just funny. I mean, it's ridiculous the way oh, that yeah. they're set up and uh, they play it so well, all those actors. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, it's so funny. Like if I were to think like, what's like one movie that like sums up what I know of you, it would be Ghost Dog. Um, like I, I just yes. picture, I just picture a little like 14 year old you, like, like an eighth grade, like scribbling pictures of ghost dog on your notebooks and stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that, that to me is a, that to me is a David Rosen movie through and through. Um, I maybe one of these days I'll rewatch that movie. I don't like Jarmusch. Um, mm -hmm. he, uh, he's so into himself. It, it's putrid, but like, I do like dead man, which I believe was the one he did right before that. Um, yeah. And, I, and I've always wanted to revisit Ghost Dog. So if you say that these are similar, I, I, I'll take you up on it. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give that, another, uh, give that another whirl. Nice. You definitely should. Yeah, I hope so, because I'm going to watch it now. All right. What do you got for your next piece? Uh, I have... All right, so this is one of those movies. When I was growing up, there were so many movies that my parents and I that were like classics in our household that nobody else had ever heard of, but I didn't realize that nobody else had ever heard of until I got into the real world myself. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those was a, an early 90s action movie called If Looks Could Kill. Um, have you seen this movie? I remember this being a movie. I just don't recall if I ever actually saw it. Yeah, 91. Yeah, with Richard Grieco. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. It's, it's about this kid who fails his senior year of French class and he has to make up for it in summer school, but the French class is going to France. So he gets to go with yeah. them. But at the airport, um, yeah. he gets switched. His identity gets switched with a secret agent with the, that has the same name as him. And he, sh yeah. and the secret agent is so deep undercover when he shows up in France, everybody thinks that he's the secret agent because they have no idea what this agent looks like. Yeah. And because he's like seven or he's 18 and he's like, he gets like a cool super spy car. He just like goes along with it and kind of gets in like way over his head and then has to use like his teenager shenanigan ways to like, you know, save the day. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's dude. It's, it's a formula that people have tried to repeat a million times and never done it as well. And like, 
it's one of those movies too where like every actor who's in it whenever i see them in anything i'm like oh my god it's the french teacher you know what i mean or oh my god it's augusta steranko or and linda hunt she's she plays like an assassin in it which i mean automatically like hilarious linda hunt is the big bad guy's assassin and her like secret weapon is a necklace a gold necklace that she can actually like whip out and use as a whip um, Hell yeah! And she like she kills the first secret agent with it. Like it's her facing off against oh, what's his fucking name from uh, the Who? Um, Roger um, Roger Daltrey. Uh, Roger Daltrey from the Who plays a super secret spy named Blade, who like fights his way into this facility, and then he faces off against Linda Hunt in a in a in a in a in a, uh, a skirt suit, who like just, just annihilates him with her like gold necklace whip. It's the movie is oh, fucking yeah. incredible. Yeah, um, but Mafia Mama reminded me of the same thing, where it's, you know, take, like, a suburban, you know, goof, put them into this beautiful European location, thrust them into this insane, unpredictable, and violent scenario that they're completely unprepared for, and their kind of innocence and ineptness is what actually causes them to rise to the occasion. Sure. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I gotta revisit that. That, that sounds... Uh... That sounds great in an early 90s kind of way. Um, it's I, so great. I, Darren Starr wrote it, the guy who created sure. Beverly Hills 90210 and Sex in the City. He wrote it. Um, it's only like 88 minutes long. It's, it's fucking awesome. And they even have a scene like in Mafia Mama where she thinks that um, she's being seduced by the, you know, the, the mafia guy and he's actually trying to poison her. There's a scene very similar to that in uh, If Looks Could Kill where he thinks he's going to hook up with this, you know, this super hot chick that he met at this club, but it turns out she's like an evil assassin and she's like, put, she's like sneak. She puts a scorpion in his bed, you know, like, um, Mm. but he, he thinks it's, it's a very similar scene. Um, yeah, I think you'd love that movie. Actually, you watch if looks could kill. I'll watch ghost dog. Perfect. We'll make notes afterwards. I like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll go to my next piece, which, uh, I'm going to go with Mel Brooks movies in general. Um, all those kinds of spoofs that Mel Brooks is known for. Uh, just very slapsticky, very on the nose, kind of like joking on. Like, this sounds like a criticism, but like easy targets because like the mafia movies are just so ripe for for making fun of and all these characters just seem like the kind of uh things that a mel brooks movie would maybe take on i think like if you had to pick one maybe high anxiety would be the the best one to to consider just because of the first half of uh just you know how you know anxious she is the whole time like getting into the whole mafia and everything but really just a lot of that kind of spoof and slapstick energy that you associate with a mel brooks movie yeah, I you know I I I'm just not a Mel Brooks fan like at all. Mm. Um, uh, uh, when I was little, I liked Robin Hood Men in Tights, but that was really because I liked Robin Hood. Sure. Um, but like I, I I've tried so many times. I've fallen asleep to Young Frankenstein in the theater multiple times because oh. I keep trying. Oh. Like sincerely, I keep trying to watch these movies, and I just can't do it i i hate blazing saddles the producers i can barely get through the opening credits i find it so boring um it's just not my brand you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it's 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 a little too i feel like he's like the precursor to seth MacFarlane, where he's only all he's doing is making the same jokes that that all of we uh, all your friends would make while watching a serious movie of that kind you know what i mean like there's no mm-hmm. They're almost like to what you were saying, we're like the most obvious targets. You, you know what I mean? There's nothing particularly clever to me about them. And 
his pacing, his rhythm of his jokes, by the time the joke happens, I've been waiting for that joke. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mm. feel like... I, I think the pacing is what makes it land, though. Like, I think the pacing in his humor is always just so on. But I guess, you know, different strokes. I mean, I know you're a big Woody Allen guy, and I, mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's more your speed, I think. Yeah, for sure. In fact, it's funny. Nice segue, um, hey. because that's my last puzzle piece is uh, a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> All right. Um, it's uh, Broadway Danny Rose, okay. which is one of those movies that, like, filmmakers, like, you know, when you talk about Woody Allen movies, um, like, you know, there's, like, the instant, you know, like, Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sisters, you know, Blue Jasmine, you know, the, the, the go-tos, the Midnight in Paris. But then sure. there's, like, like, his 80s work especially is, like, the era that, like, filmmakers really latch on to with him like like the 80s was his era for filmmakers and and uh broadway danny rose is probably like like i know that like judd apatow has cited it as one of his favorite films i know that um uh jason reitman has talked about it being one of his favorite films it's a it's a movie about a, a manager a talent manager but he he manages the worst acts played by woody allen named danny rose he manages the worst acts like he has like a a one-legged tap dancer, um, a stuttering ventriloquist, uh, you know, like acts like that, right? Yeah. And he's got this one big act who's this big Italian meatball named Lou who, um, who's a singer, and he's kind of starting to have a comeback, and he's got this big show that a bunch of important people are going to be at, and he asks Danny to bring his mistress to the show as, like, his guest, like, to be a beard for him so that his mistress can be there and see him perform. Mm. And so... Danny goes to pick up the mistress in New Jersey and it's Mia Farrow who's this total mob mall like you know like fast talker you know like mean spirited like you know just your typical Jersey mob mall chick and of course sure the mob a mobster's in love with her and thinks that Danny is her like secret lover so he puts out a hit on Danny and and the whole movie is them trying to like clear the air that Danny's not, you know, stealing her and also get her to the show on time for his, uh, so that his, uh, singer can perform and he can finally have a hit act. Sure. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's just your typical, like, you know, fish out of water mafia comedy, like we were talking about, but it, it just being, you know, eighties era Woody Allen, it's got some of his best, like little zingers, like, at one point, uh, Mia Farrow's telling him this story about like, oh yeah, this guy was hitting on me, and so they, they, they uh, shot him in the eyes. And he goes, Woody Allen goes, shot him in the eyes. Oh my god, he's blind. And she goes, dead. And he goes, oh right, because the bullets go right through. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's it's, it also is a great Thanksgiving movie because it all takes place around Thanksgiving. Um, and the Macy's Day Parade nice. actually has a big uh, to do in it. And um, Woody Allen was nominated for uh, best director for it. You know, but. Um, but it's right still on. kind of an unknown, you know, Woody Allen movie among, you know, most audiences. And I, 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 I think that's another one that I would highly recommend to you. I think you would get a big kick out of that one. It's also 85 minutes. It's really short. I think it's interesting that we've got Mel Brooks, Woody Allen, Adam Sandler. Like, we've got all these big, like, multi-movie, like, decades-long runs of huge comedies, like... And this is like right in there. And we, we know mm -hmm. that we're like kind of going through a down period for comedy lately, at least like, you know, just a straight up studio comedy. And so uh, I think that that's clearly what this is trying to do. It's trying to fit into that void that we haven't had in so long. 
Yeah, and we're all talking, and all those people are Jewish comedians, and here we are talking yeah. about like uh, the mafia. But you know, like the Catholic guilt and Jewish guilt. I mean, we share that as as people. You know, like uh, as cultures. Oh, so absolutely, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> no Scorsese movies yet, though. So there we go. Yeah, no Scorsese, but uh, I have one last puzzle piece. It's not Scorsese, but uh, you know what? You actually mentioned Robin Hood Men in Tights when we were talking about Mel Brooks, but uh, just Robin Hood in general. Like, I love the idea mm. that her whole big plan for the mafia involves uh, basically robbing pharmaceuticals and selling them to people who can't afford them or giving them, and uh, it's a little underdeveloped, maybe. I mean, it is just a comedic moment, but I just thought that was a great way to use the mafia for good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I um and and using the the winery as a front, which yeah. I mean, I might do one of my, you know, psycho deep dives into the movie and see how this is actually a film about the career of Francis Ford Coppola, um because <laughs> that could be a thing. Um uh yeah, no, I'm I sure. and I love that. I I've, I always love that trope too of like somebody who like doesn't know what they're doing. Like Legally Blonde is a great example of this. Another great just perfect on the money comedy. She should have been nominated for an Oscar. Her performance right. is so good much like Colette here, that they come in and their outsider perspective helps like kind of get things back in order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, the first thing she does, it's one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie, but she goes to drink the wine when she first gets there and she like spits it all up. And like, I thought the joke was going to be that it was like actually good wine and she's used to bad wine because she's, you know, just suburban housewife, you know, but she's like, oh my God, this wine is terrible. And Monica Blue, she's like, yeah, yeah. It's notoriously terrible wine. It's, <laughs> we, we don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> you know and she's like well you got to care more but again see they set that up she's like a products person and she knows how to market a product and she knows how to, you know what i mean and her yeah. whole problem is that she actually cares and she's trying to get it to the people who need it but all the people want you know again like it's just good writing and 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 if 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 movies keep getting made this way then people will come back you know what i mean they really will yeah. i mean it's already starting to show but um yeah yeah to your robin hood I love it. What's your favorite Robin Hood movie? I mean, honestly, it's Men in Tights. So <laughs> I think I yeah. think the best moment in Men in Tights is when they're having the sword fight and he stabs at him, but he misses and he stabs the guy's sandwich. I really like yeah. that. Um, I, I like when uh, Richard Lewis's mole keeps moving around. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I have a mole? Um, yeah, I mean, but again, I tried rewatching that movie during uh, during the lockdown. And it was not nearly as funny as I remember. But even still, when I talk about it, like talking about it is more fun than actually watching the movie. Mm. I, I haven't I seen mean? it in many years. Uh, I, I, I need to rewatch it one of these days. But you may be right. Like it may be just more fun to reminisce about some of the best bits and like that's right. that. Yeah. And I mean, and you, you start with like the so 1993 of the... Uh, the, the the rap group with the backwards hats and like the yo, sure. yo, yo, check it out. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, Prince of Thieves is my favorite Robin Hood. Uh, so what the fuck do I know? You know what I mean? <laughs> eh, you know, talk about movie movies. That, that's about as oh, movie God, movies yeah. you can get. Yeah, Kevin Cosner, I think it's his third line in the movie as he puts his hand down on a thing and says, this is English courage. In his like thickest Southern California Visalia accent you could ever have, um, but it's oh man that movie delivers hard. I'm a huge Robin Hood fan though. Like uh, even that Taron uh, Edgerton one that just came out a couple years mm -hmm. ago. Like you know me, I'm pretty quick to walk out of a movie. You know, yeah. and uh, the fact that I didn't walk out of that movie 
kind of just says how much I love Robin Hood. You know what I mean? Because it's terrible. But like I yeah. sat through the whole thing because it's fucking it's Robin Hood. It's kind of like Batman, the Batman that just came out with a uh, fucking uh, Twilight in it. Oh, Catherine Herter, um, uh, the Batman, horrible movie, just yes. a miserable experience from start to finish. Um, and I saw it three times because it's fucking Batman. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm gonna sit there and commiserate with Batman about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, Captain Arthur. let's let's read down the finished puzzle list here, and we'll get into some closing thoughts. Uh, you kicked it off with some Nia Vardalos movies, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Connie and Carla, My City in Ruins. Then we went to The Freshman, Under the Tuscan Sun, Adam Sandler movies, Killers, Ghost Dog, If Looks Could Kill, Mel Brooks movies, Broadway Danny Rose, Robin Hood, and Legally Blonde. Yeah, I don't know. A- any uh, Any closing thoughts on anything we didn't quite get to here? I could watch any of those movies right now. And isn't that the sign of like an act? You know, we talk about like, what's your favorite movie of all time? You know, oh, my favorite movie is Popeye. My favorite movie is Adaptation. That's me playing both parts in this, you and I. But, you. but like yeah. really, at the end of the day, it's like, what are, you know, what is your real favorite movie of all time? You know what I mean? It's the movie that you can just like pop on, you know? Yeah. Like Team America World Police really is probably the right answer. You know, you, you, you know what I'm saying? And... <laughs> Def- that's definitely, about that. definitely for twenty-seven-year-old Dave. It's, well, it was yeah. probably well, it. Yeah, but that list you just read off, like you, you know what I mean. I mean, of course, there's a couple little, you know, like Broadway Danny Rose, but like those are the movies that non-movie people want to watch. Like that's what they want to mm-hmm. put on. They they don't want to put on, you know, even something like Everything Everywhere All at Once. They don't want to put that shit on. They want to put on Legally Blonde. They, you know, right. Pretty Woman is one of the greatest movies ever made. And why? Because everybody can watch and enjoy that movie because it speaks so clearly and in such a simple way. And all it has to say is love one another and enjoy life. Boom. You know, and, and that's kind of this movie too, you know? And, and, and yep. one thing I really do have a closing thought on is that, you know, there's this trope and people like to call it woke or progressive or whatever, where like all these movies, and I think it really, really started with Bridesmaids where it's like the men in these movies are just mean, awful dogs. You know what I mean? Or dumb as shit. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the two. And what this movie did so... um, Did you ever see that movie, How Do You Know, the James L. Brooks movie? Another one that I haven't seen in forever. So good. And, and, And one of the reasons it's so good is it does the same thing, where it's... Take the guy that she falls for in in Mafia Mama, right? Or her mean bosses and stuff like that. The problem with the movie is not that all men are like this, quote unquote. Her problem in the movie is that she lets people treat her this way. Or that she Mm, is giving these kinds of people her power, right? Like, it's about her. It's not saying anything about men. Like, it's not saying, it's, it's saying something about these men. And like, how do you know, with Owen Wilson's kind of like, you know, his character, she's like, the movie's a love triangle with her and Paul Rudd and Owen Wilson. And she's like, who do I pick? Uh. And, and Owen Wilson is kind of like this like womanizing, you know, fun, flirty guy who she can't rely on, who's kind of, you know. But that movie doesn't dare condescend and, like Bridesmaids does, where Kristen is just like, why doesn't John Hamm love me? You know, this movie is like <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is like, why am I engaging with this? You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm, I'm smart enough to know what I'm getting into, and maybe the problem is that I'm getting into something like this, and that's what Mafia Mama does so well is that 
it's not like an indictment of men. It's not it, all it is is her saying like I have been giving my life and power over to people, and that's not what I need to do. Yeah. You know, and 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 at the same time, you get to make a little commentary about how like everything is heavily marketed toward men and how men run. You know, like you get to do that as well. But your character is the one who has something to go through. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got a great performance from Tony Collette, even though it's like a big, silly comedy. I mean, she is great, and she really sells that transformation from beginning to end. And it, like you said at the beginning of the conversation, Catherine Hardwick, a real director, bringing in to mm -hmm. make the movie, so that helps. Yeah, I, I, and and you know, it's. I remember when Adele started becoming famous, and people were like, "Oh my God, can you believe how great of a singer she is?" And I remember thinking, like, honestly. Like, I feel like everybody who's singing on the radio should have to sound as good as Adele at the minimum. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like I don't think that Adele's that great of a singer. I think that Adele is a singer. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and again, it's just because everything gets watered down. Oh, look, isn't it just as good when it's microwaved as when you put it in the oven? No, it's not. <laughs> like... It, it's really not, but we're so tired and we, we've got so much else to do that we'll take whatever you give us. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, so I, I, I love it when a movie like this gets made. And again, I saw the trailer. I thought it was just going to be a movie that I would really enjoy. And what I got was, in my opinion, we'll see if any other critics or whatever agree with me, but I was like, whoa, holy shit. They actually went out of their way to do it right and make a good movie. I am so excited to see what people think of this one, but uh, I, I think that does it for Mafia Mama. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say Murder Mystery 2, but we already kind of talked about that. Murder Mystery 2 is one of those sequels that's like so good that it makes the first one better. Um, like, it's just a perfectly pitched comedy in a lot of the same ways that we were just talking about. But I'm actually going to... Because I've spoken ill of him before, and I will forever and for the rest of my life. But I got to give credit where credit's due. I finally saw The Abyss. Oh. And I thought it was pretty great. I really, really, I watched, and given Jimmy Cameron even more credit, I watched the director's cut. That's the version I watched. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty, pretty fucking great. And then, thankfully, mercifully, the last horrible 15 minutes of the movie happened with the alien, and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, thank God I'm not about to give, like, a James Cameron movie, like, a five-star rating. Like, oh, good. Because, like, that it last 15 minutes you. is terrible. It, it did. It did. It, it set the universe back right. But, um, but the first two hours of that movie, I was like, holy shit. Like, see, Jimmy? See what happens when you actually give a shit? Like, when you're actually, like, you know, it's something that interests you, and you're angry right now, so you're taking it out on your characters, and that's fun. You know? Is this a new, um, is it a new release? Like, a new, like, upscaled version or something like that? No, no, no. I just rented the DVD from uh, okay. Cinephile Video in uh, Santa Monica here in Los Angeles. You know, it's funny. Uh, True Lies is actually, like, the antithesis of what we've been talking about this whole time. Like... True Lies is like the stupid, horrible, nasty, misogynist, ugly version of like the suburban housewife who, you know, gets thrown into like the, you know, have you seen True Lies? What he does to his wife in that movie is like despicable. And he like never apologizes for it. And like he uses the CIA resources or whatever to like trap her in an interrogation room and basically like scream at her in a muffled voice. Like, did you suck his dick? Do you still love your husband? You know, without ever, like 
it's horrible. <laughs> like, you know, I surprisingly it's, it's, have never seen True Lies. I I feel like I should one day, but also I don't know. We'll see. It might be very. Dated. It's a great idea. It's a great idea with a couple of great action set pieces ra- uh, put together by a misogynist sociopath. Like, um, yeah. So, see, I can't just like be nice. And be like, hey, you know, Jimmy Cameron. He hit. He he hit a base hit with that abyss. No, fuck him. Like, I Aye, I can't yay. do it. But yeah, I do recommend the abyss. Uh, no, I take it all back. Just watch Murder Mystery too. There you go. Perfect. I love it, Joe. Uh, what do you got going on? I know that you're uh, working on your new film. Yeah, well, we, we we I mean, we're pretty. It's wrapped, really. I mean, there's a couple little sound things I want to fix, and a couple of visual effects that um, my brother and I are going to tackle. But um, but it's done. It's 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 kind of done and ready. And it's a political based. Uh, it's a sequel to our last film, Natasha Hall. This one's called Suffrage, and this one involves like a an election day murder mystery. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be, um, we're going to play it in some festivals for a few months here and then hopefully release it through, um, or release it in November in time to begin the uh, election year um, since that'll be kind of be on everybody's mind. And also our, the first film in the series, Natasha Hall, just got released uh, by a company called Indie Rights and uh, yeah. is actually available now for rent or purchase on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, cheap and it's a good movie and uh, we would really appreciate anybody who would, uh, I have to be, I hate that I have to do this. Rate and review the movie really helps us with the algorithm of all the streaming. But, um, Isn't that the worst? <laughs> it's it's so, like I've shared with you like all the bullshit I'm going through right now in my in my personal life and that ranks right up there with all of it. Like I hate this side of it so much, but at the same time it's really cool for the first time. I've been this is 19 years that I've been making movies and this is like the first time where I could say, "Hey, world, it's out there on an actual streaming platform and you can rent or buy this movie that I really like and I don't like all of my movies." This one I really like, <laughs> and my wife is fucking incredible in it, and it looks amazing, and 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 it's the beginning of hopefully a franchise, and we would it, it would mean a lot if you rented or bought it and and get, left us a rating and a review and continued the journey when we release Suffrage uh, in a few months here. Absolutely, and everybody, if you do rent it and watch it, uh, then you can go back and listen to our episode that we did where we talked about the background of the film and some puzzle pieces and all that. So. Go rent Natasha Hall. Yes, please do. I, I mean, and David, you actually haven't seen the version that's available because after we screened it in Vegas, we I, I basically treated the festival run as like a test screening thing too. So I went back and I trimmed it and I changed some things around and I added things and I, yeah. So it's it, you could even yourself see a brand new Natasha Hall. There we go. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to do that sometime soon. But uh, Joe, it was great getting you back on the show. And I, uh, as always, look forward to getting you back on again soon. Sounds groovy. Thank you. Hi, this is Wax Tracks Records here on 2909 South Decatur. We buy all your old 45s, your old albums, any type of music memorabilia. Also, we sell music memorabilia, albums, CDs, and a lot. Come on down to Wax Tracks, 2909 South Decatur, or give me a call at 702-362-4300. Thank you very much. 
Why did I play the Wax Tracks ad on an episode about Mafia Mama? Uh, I don't know. I guess because there's Italians at Wax Tracks, my family's record store all the time, just chatting it up with my dad. So I don't know. Seemed like a good fit. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to Piecing It Together. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks to Joe Black for joining me on that one. And of course, if you're enjoying Piecing It Together, drop those five stars. I'd really appreciate it. Just like Joe asked you to drop five stars on his film, Natasha Hall. If you drop five stars on Piecing It Together in Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Spotify, wherever you're listening, it would definitely help the show get seen by more people. So we do appreciate when you do that. Also, uh, you know, don't forget, we have a live show coming up that Joe will be a part of. Uh, we have the Evil Dead Rise live episode of Piecing It Together coming up on Friday, April 21st, 7 p.m. Maya Cinemas in North Las Vegas, along with Joe Black. We also have Michael Keane and Jimmy Gonzalez. It's going to be a great show. I'm so excited. And I'll be announcing some more live shows soon. So, uh, yeah. Make sure you're subscribed and following Piecing Pod on all the socials, the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group. Find out about all the stuff we got coming up. So uh, other than that, we do have a Patreon, which I have to remind you about. I'm uh, contractually obligated to let you know about the Patreon. No, I'm not, but uh, I would appreciate your support. You can check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen, the produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there, so check it out if you want to support the show that way. But of course, I'm just happy that you're out there listening. So let's close this thing out with a piece of music. I was trying to think if I have anything mafia-like or specifically Italian-sounding. I don't think I do. I'm sure I'm going to think of something after I've already finished uh, editing this episode. But instead, Italian stuff, Jewish stuff. We talk a lot about Jewish stuff on this episode. Let's go with my Jewish comedy rap group, Fakakta, which is now defunct, but uh, we have two albums out from back when I was in college. And uh, every once in a while, I'll squeeze one of their songs onto the uh, end of the episodes here. I'm going to go with a song called Nice Jewish Girls. I'm sure Tony Collette's character, Kristen, in Mafia Mama would like this song. So let's go with Nice Jewish Girls from Fakakta's album, You Took Us For Granted. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
neither is all that heartbreaking we be doing when we screwing these unsuspecting fans that want to do it cause we're in a jewish comedy rap band i take the shiksas for sexist jewish girls for the head plus i love the way they ass is shaped like challah bread i be telling them lies and all kinds of highs arise to get up in between their thighs and give that shmundi a try i'm not a bad guy i'm just trying to get them in bed and make them feel good from their toes up to the doily on their head and i never got complaints from a jewish girl or a goy plus their parents always think i'm such a nice jewish boy uh nice jewish girls West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.